You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I am Heather Carroll, and I'm your host this morning for Real Presence Live. I'm broadcasting from the St. Francis House in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it is a very exciting week for us here in Sioux Falls. If you haven't heard, we're getting a new bishop. Very excited, but we're going to head over to Minnesota, and we're going to chat with Jason Adkins. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. Nice to be with you today. Thank you so much for taking time out to be with us and update us on how things are going. You're with um, the Minnesota Legislature. What role do you play out in Minnesota? So I'm the Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and we're the public policy voice of the Catholic Church in Minnesota. And our main bread-and-butter responsibility is bringing the public policy objectives of the Catholic bishops here in Minnesota to our state capital. Okay. So... Start off by telling us a little bit about what's been happening in the Minnesota legislature. Well, today is the first official day of our legislative session. It runs uh, through about mid-May, and it kicks off officially today, and the legislature will gavel in for a short session. Uh, They don't have to technically get anything done this year, so it will be a, a really a real mystery to see what actually happens. We have the only divided legislature in the country, meaning the Senate is controlled by Republicans and the House is controlled by Democrats, and we have a Democratic governor. So it's a question of how much compromise and uh, will it be able to happen. Most likely, the main thing that will get done is what's called a bonding bill. Uh, really, it's a bill, a bill for building projects. Uh, can we use debt financing and finance a whole bunch of capital improvements and capital investments uh, for various building projects around the state, most notably affordable housing, uh, clean water infrastructure, and uh, the universities always want uh, money to refurbish their buildings. So those will be mm-hmm. some of the big issues that will be addressed here in Minnesota this session. So you said that decisions don't have to be made this year. What do you mean by that? So we are bound by our state constitution here in Minnesota to have a balanced budget every year, and that usually happens in the odd years. And so that's the first year of the legislative biennium, and that was done last year. So technically speaking, um, in our legislature, they don't have to pass any bills this session. Uh, So it'll be fascinating to see what actually they can agree on through compromise, given that we have a divided legislature. Absolutely. So are there any current bills that are in the works that you have been keeping your eye on? Well, we're certainly concerned about the push here in Minnesota to legalize recreational marijuana. We think that's going to be, uh, would be a really detrimental development for our state, not only from the standpoint of public safety, and we had a bunch of transportation experts uh, opine in the last couple of days that, that that would endanger public safety. We had a traffic death just recently attributed to uh, marijuana. Uh, so that's really concerned about its impact, though, on uh, the young, on young people, the vulnerable uh, people with uh, mental illness, uh, the way in which marijuana is a gateway drug. So we don't think that uh, what's going on in Colorado and other places has been a good development for that state. We don't want it to come here, and th- but that'll be a big question on the forefront of the public discussion here in Minnesota uh, this upcoming session. Absolutely. Well, and I, I know you're probably aware, but Minnesota tends to have the, uh, the notoriety of being a little bit more on the liberal side. How does that um, impact your job? Well, it's definitely a purple state, um, and that's, uh, you can see that in our mm-hmm. divided legislature. 
and um, it, it, but it's it's a good place for the church to be in, in the sense that we can build bridges and try to find common ground and bring the parties together around good solutions. And we've done that on a number of occasions, uh, most particularly around uh, the Minnesota Family Investment Program, for example. Last year, that's our main program for people with, in poverty. That hadn't seen a rate increase in over 33 years. And so people were living on $1986 in 2019 mm. and 2020. And so we were able to bring Republicans and Democrats together and really change the conversation around poverty in Minnesota and really led the way in doing so. And that's the type of thing that the church can really bring value to in the public arena is transcending the partisan politics trying to get past the polarization, bringing people together around real solutions. That's easier to do when issues aren't really politicized. Uh, once they get into a big political uh, back-and-forth, left-right, Republican-Democrat dynamic, it's hard to get out of that. But uh, when you can take an issue that doesn't have to be political um, in, the, in the negative sense of that term and then really bring people together around common-sense solutions, that's a great space for the Church to be in. And, and indeed... Uh, most of the issues that we read about, you know, that's only a small fraction of what's actually going on at the Capitol. You don't read about the many hundreds of bills that are being looked at, reviewed, that are passed in a bipartisan way, um, sometimes almost unanimously, just because of good advocates working hard to get things done. And that's the untold story of politics. And it's unfortunate because there are good people working, especially at our state legislatures, trying to do the right thing in a difficult situation. But uh, it's the Church's responsibility to be a resource to them and to propose good solutions that serve human dignity and the common good. So for those that are tuning in, we're talking with Jason Adkins this morning of the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Um, Tell me a little bit about what your day looks like when legislature's in session. What do you do up on Capitol Hill? A lot of meetings. <laughs> Politics Good. is about relationships, um, and and it's about building bridges, like I mentioned before, with pe- different groups and, and helping people understand the creative possibilities um, that politics can bring. And uh, really that relationship piece is most important, though. It's a lot of education. Your main value that you provide as a lobbyist is in being a resource to legislators. No one can possibly have command of the thousands of issues um, and bills that are introduced. And so legislators rely on lobbyists and citizen advocates uh, to be that pipeline of information to them. So your credibility is important, your expertise is important, and their ability to trust you is important, too. And so it's really based on trust and relationships and knowledge, and that's the main thing that lobbyists bring. So it's a, a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, negotiation, a lot of compromise, um, and then a lot of working with other coalitions and organizations to build momentum around legislation. Mm-hmm. So are there any other bills other than the marijuana one that you kind of have your eye on this year? We're all, our, our, I would say two of our main concerns are working to create more educational opportunity in Minnesota, especially for low-income families. And so we've been mm. uh, part of a coalition called Opportunity for All Kids that's been proposing private school choice legislation, similar to some of the things that you have in South Dakota. And uh, really hoping that, uh, especially with an achievement gap between white and stu- students of co- white students and students of color, that's one of the worst in the nation. We're hoping that we can give a lifeline to students in underperforming public schools and give them an opportunity to attend non-public schools, whether those are Catholic schools or not. And so, we're proposing again this year a system of tax credits to allow low-income families uh, to have the tuition resources they need to attend non-public schools. So that's going to be a big one for us again this session as their legislators consider 
how to divvy up that 130 or I'm sorry, $1.3 billion surplus. How do we, uh, you know, is that spending money? Is that tax breaks? We hope that some of that is used on tax credits. The other issue that we're, of course, following is the development of uh, uh, legalization of assisted suicide as well. We're absolutely very Mm -hmm. vigilant watching that development and being proactive and talking to legislators uh, how that would endanger the poor and the vulnerable in our state. So those are two very big issues on our radar as well for this session. Well, and I think what's very important um, talking with you this morning, Jason, is the fact that, you know, you talk about capital, uh, Catholics up at the Capitol, instantly we think of pro-life issues, you know, pro, um, pro-life pro anti-abortion, and it tends to center around abortion, which is absolutely necessary. But I love that you're bringing in more of these social justice issues that are really happening at the state level in our country. So I love the fact that you um, are highlighting some of those this morning. Well, you know, in a, in a legislature controlled, House controlled by Democrats and with a Democratic governor who's very close to Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood, you've got to be realistic about what you can accomplish. And we also have to think about these issues in terms of an ecosystem. And we're fighting what John Paul II called the culture of death, what Pope Francis calls the throwaway culture, where people who are inconvenienced um, or who present a burden to others are discarded. And so the mm-hmm. assisted suicide issue really makes that clear. Of course, the abortion issue does as well. But, you know, if we want to combat abortion, we've got to create mechanisms for child care and, and uh, income assistance and housing supports and things that women need uh, to help them not to make the right choice. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a really an ecosystem of issues, and you have to think about it that way and then be realistic about what you can and can't accomplish. We often hear, like, well, what about abortion? Well, I, I'd like a constitutional amendment tomorrow uh, that would ban all abortion. But um, we have right. to also be realistic and say, what can we do that's right at the tip of the sphere with limited resources in the public arena? And that's uh, where we've got to put our, uh, put our focus. Absolutely. If people wanted more information on what's going on in the Minnesota legislature, do you have a website they can go to? Better than a website, we have something called the Catholic Advocacy Network, which you can find through our website or on your mobile phone. And it's a way for uh, people here in Minnesota, but anywhere else who'd like to keep in keep in touch with what's going on, uh, to follow on the key pieces of legislation. And then because we have, if you register in the system, we have your name and address. And then with a click of the mouse, you can send a message to your legislator. So we tell you what to say on key issues. We give you those tools and then when to say it. That's what people often, you know, have concern about. Well, I don't know what to say and I don't know when to say it. Well, we make it easy for you. You can Mm -hmm. personalize your message, which is always helpful. And then join your voice, the voice of our bishops, on really key issues. And again, that's the Catholic Advocacy Network. You can Google that or go to mncatholic.org. Again, that's mncatholic.org. Well, and I find that very interesting, and I'm going to ask you this next question out of my own pure curiosity is, I've often sent those emails off. Do you think they really make an impact? Oh, yes, there's no doubt about it. Um, you'd, you'd think that they're receiving hundreds and hundreds of emails, and they're really not, um, especially at the local level. Um, people can really, constituents can really have a, make a difference at the local level, uh, because, you know, in Minnesota at least, you can you win a House election here with 10,000 votes. Um, if a legislator gets five emails on an issue, they think at least they multiply that by 10 and they think at least 50 people in their district care about it. And if 50 people in your district care about an issue a lot and they're speaking to you about it, that's something that you need to pay attention to because those 50 people could go out and door knock during your next campaign and run you out of office. So 
even I, the power of five people bringing an issue to a legislator's attention uh, really does make a difference. And it and it, it's the, the ones that don't make a difference are emails to legislators uh, who aren't in your district. If it's not your uh, legislator, if it's not your state senator, uh, those those don't really get read or they don't care much about those. But if it's your state legislator, absolutely they care about who's speaking to them. And again, how can they know what's important if our people in the back home in the district aren't speaking to them, right? We can't just assume right. they know what the people in their district care about unless you as a citizen are serving as a resource to your legislator and tipping them off about what people in your district care about. I always tell folks that if 10 people in each parish were active speaking to legislators about issues of Catholic and uh, issues of Catholic concern, it would be a total game changer. Um, that's really what we need. Really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, and I, I think that's very exciting um, for us to hear that at a state level, because I think that's where most change can happen for us is at the state level. And to know that it really does make a difference and it makes a huge impact, that's exciting. Yeah, we have folks, you know, they're, they're calling me and saying, well, what about, you know, Congress and the presidency and Roe v. Wade and all these things? Well, abortion is largely a state legislative issue. Mm-hmm. Typically, I'll ask them, well, do you know who your state legislator is? Nine times out of ten, I kid you not, they cannot name for me their state legislator. Well, if we can't even name our state legislator, how can we expect that those people are making good laws on our behalf? So we really have to sort of take a broader view and refocus to our corner of the vineyard, um, because those issues at the state and local level have far more of a day-to-day impact on our lives than what goes on in Washington. But we get sucked into that media dynamic, and we think that everything happens in D.C., and that's really been detrimental to our national politics. Absolutely. Well, we only have a few minutes left. Any last thoughts that you would like to leave with the listeners this morning? Again, I would just underscore the importance of informing oneself. Uh, you know, you can't give what you don't have. So form your conscience. Um, inform your advocacy, and then inform your legislator. Um, And then I would also highlight that, uh, as Pope Francis says, politics is one of the highest forms of charity because it serves the common good. We have to think of the public arena as one of those existential peripheries, those places of evangelization, those places of discipleship. Uh, Faithful citizenship, as the bishops of the United States call us to, is not a spectator sport. It's not simply for those people who are interested in politics. It's for all of us to be active and engaged, to share our gifts with the broader community. And at very, the very least, we can always pray. Pray for our elected officials. Pray they have the wisdom and the discernment to make the right decisions. Pray that they see their role as not merely satisfying consumer wants, but actually working for the truth of the human person and the common good. So our legislators and our public officials, they need our thanks because they make big sacrifices to be in our capital, but they also need our prayers uh, first and foremost. Absolutely. Well, can you uh, tell us the website once again where people can find out more information? mncatholic.org. Again, that's mncatholic.org, and people can click on Take Action Resources, and that'll take you to the Catholic Advocacy Network. I'd encourage everyone listening uh, to sign up for that and stay up on top of what's going on at the Capitol this year here in Minnesota. mncatholic.org. Well, and the CAN Network is nationwide, so anybody listening in North Dakota, South Dakota, anywhere, go check out that CAN Network. Um, I get updates from them all the time. So Yeah, indeed. And, and abs- North Dakota Catholic Conference, South Dakota Catholic Conference, they have their mm-hmm. own networks as well. So listeners in those places can stay up on what's going on in those legislatures there, too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us this morning.
What a blessing to be with you. Thanks so much. God bless all of you listening out there, and have a wonderful day. All right. Thanks, Jason. Okay, up next, their special jerseys serve as a strong voice for the unborn. Mary Wheeling and Darcy Shetler will introduce us to Life Runners, a state pro-life running walking chapter that is thriving in North Dakota. We're broadcasting, or I should say I'm broadcasting from the St. Francis House here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This is Real Presence Live. I'm Heather Carroll, and I will be right back. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 